Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Align with Lina. And today is December the 7th, and we are on the tail end of 2020. Does that mean that things are, are going to end in 2020? All the bad stuff is going to end? No. We are in the beginning of a great awakening, which means that there's a lot of stuff that's going to continue into 2021, 22, 23. And the more aware we are about what's going on, the easier it is to navigate this journey. So for this reason, I have a wonderful guest that I know you're going to love. We're going to have a fun conversation about exactly that. How do we, with awareness, navigate what's happening? Because we both know that we haven't even gotten to the worst of it yet. That's coming. But this guest, Melissa Oliver, she was with me a couple of, oh, it's been quite a while, over a year. And she is in episode 17. So please be sure if you want to hear more about her journey, because Align with Lina, we pretty much talk about people's journeys. Um, go to episode 17. It's on my website, uh, lineorlando.com. Go to my uh, my podcast page and you will be able to hear the episode so you know more about her journey. Now, we're speaking as, as colleagues, as peers mm -hmm. who are very aware of what's taking place in the world. And we want to talk about the importance of allowing our spirituality and the understanding of politics to be in the same sentence, to heck, to be in the same room. So without further ado, Melissa, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. This is always delightful. You know, I, when you and I talk outside of this, I always feel like, wow, if there was just a fly on the wall. So here we are. <laughs> here we are. Here we are. So let, let's just jump into what we were dialoguing about, you know, last week. And that's, that's that you and I have both done the type of work that has allowed us to recognize that there is there is a play of energy dark and light mm -hmm. good and evil god and ego whatever you want to call it love and fear we both are very clear of these two distinct ways that we can perceive the world through mm -hmm. and it's that's what i believe is the hardest work is to get to understand those two sides if you don't understand those two sides well, you you are unconscious, unaware of your your the, the choices that really set you free. But once you know those two sides, those those two mm -hmm. options, the world begins to become so much easier to navigate. So share your your perspective of what do you call those two sides? How do you see the distinctions between what you are choosing among in a conscious way in your day to day life? Right. So for, so for me, I summarize it as being a spiritual being, having a human experience. Yeah. That sums it up for me because those are, are, are two different things. There's, there's the higher and then there's the lower. There's the, the higher soul and the lower mm -hmm. soul. There's the incarnation, which you see before you, but then there's the greater soul and the bigger light of the person playing the part of Melissa Oliver. Yes. Yes, and thank you, Dean, for sharing your comment that the ultimate battle of good versus evil, God is driving the bus. Without a doubt, God is definitely driving the bus. And that is what you were saying, the, the, the distinction between our divine self and our human self. And when, when I began to realize, you know, I had heard my whole life, you're, you're divine, and also I heard you're a sinner. I knew I was a child of God, and I also knew that I, oh, thank you, Dean. Yes, yesterday was my birthday, so it was a lot of fun. I so appreciate that. And I, I heard very conflicting information growing up Catholic. I knew, I knew I was a child of God, but then I knew I was never going to be with God because I was going to end up in hell forever. And I, I was a sinner. Plain and simple. I right. knew all the things that I did that I wasn't supposed to be doing. Yeah, I was terrified because I, I believed in a punishing God, right? And so I'm like, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm going to be punished. So yeah. I'm going to have a damn good time. And I did, you know? And so, but, but to creating pain at my own hands yeah. from the unconsciousness. 
Yes. So say more about the kind of pain and suffering that you inflicted upon yourself by not knowing your divinity and and not only not knowing your divinity because you had a sense of it. What what religion did you grow up with? I didn't. So I didn't oh, have didn't. a specific religion. And so that which I think has has served me greatly. I had some exposure living in the South to the Baptist church and that just blew my mind. Uh, <laughs> you know, I would, I would go with friends or I would go with cousins. And it was, it was one of those things where I was just like, surely that is not the way, you yeah. know, surely. And, and, you know, when people have baptisms, that's a big event. They invite their friends and family and like me as a small child standing on one level and then seeing this tub on the next floor up and watching these vicious dunkings happening, I'm just like, no, that is not, it's, yeah. it, it's not what I believed in my core was what was necessary. Now, now further down the spiritual path, having become a minister myself, having experienced a, a peaceful, loving baptism, I understand what that is. And, and I can even look back and understand what was happening. It was just a, a different path that was not my own. Yeah. Well, and I love the way that you're saying this because not having that religion ingrained in you, but still you were exposed to it through other people. You were exposed to, yeah, the the systems, the, the traditions, the rituals, the way that things are done. But one of the interesting uh, observations that I made as I got older and I would go to church, I, I felt the guilt. I knew I was not going to raise my children Catholic, but I felt the guilt of better put some religion in my children because I, I knew I was already going to hell. I didn't want to go to the worst part of hell. I wanted to go like to the better side of hell. So I started taking my children to a non-denominational church. We did Methodist for a little bit and then eventually non-denominational. But one of the things that was just absolutely infuriating all of those times that we would go to a baptism or we would go to even when I visited Catholic churches for um, what I forget what first communions and events like mm -hmm. that or Easter services or even sometimes Christmas services, they always seem to insert in there that there was only one way to God. And it was, you know, it, it, it was through fear, plain and simple. You had to be afraid that if you didn't follow God's rules, God's ways, you were going to be afraid you were going to be left out. Yeah. So it didn't matter what the event was. Fear was always part of the conversation. And, and yes, some of the music was beautiful. Some of the messages were very uplifting. But in the back of my mind, I always left with a, a, a low level hum of fear mm -hmm. that that did not allow me to fully ever want to get close to God. And even though I really liked Jesus growing up, the, the Jesus stories always resonated with me. I always had this fear of God that had me basically turn my back on God. And it was like, no, I got this. You you're incompetent. So I'll take care of myself. I take care of my children in a very loving way. You created all of us and you cannot even take care of me the way I can take care of my children. So I relied on my humanity. Yeah. I really didn't want to know my divinity because it, it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. And, and that that's such a big thing. Like even as a child with the little exposure I had, it didn't make sense. But yet in my human experience, I had such a void. So there was a searching, there was a, a looking and like, you know, I would look at my friends. Well, what do you, what do your family do? You know, my family didn't do anything. So I was going and looking like, what does your family do? What does this look like? And so I think it really nurtured this great curiosity from such a young age. So I was always interested in spirituality. I was, I had a little exposure to mystics in addition, and again, it, it comes from the curiosity and looking and trying to figure out what was my own path. But in the meantime, the little bits that I got, even through television, even through television shows, we were the guilt, the shame, the fear, like all of those things have were very much a part of the religious experience, even if you weren't religious. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting as a society, 
in this time and space, when we're looking at, you know, political things, when we're looking at our lives, that fear came from so many different places. Yeah. Everyone has it. Yes. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you about the importance of, of bringing the political conversation into our spiritual um, arenas, into our spiritual conversations, because politics permeates everything. You know, when I began to really understand politics is when after my mom died, that's what sent me on my journey to really question God, because I began to feel a terror. I was petrified of dying after mom died because I knew the sinner she was. So I'm like, I know she went straight to hell. So I knew I was going to follow in her footsteps. <laughs> so that terror had me literally in a state of depression. I was sharing with a friend how how scared I was. And she was like, Lina, you know, it, it's one thing that your mom died. It's been, I think at the time had been like three or four months. And she basically just said to me, and I love her dearly for this. She says, you're being a little dramatic here. And and she said, here, read this book. When I said to her, but I'm so afraid of dying, she gave me a book and I had never, ever, ever, ever considered myself spiritual, ever. That wasn't even a language that I used. I, I was, you know, Catholic or I was um, non-denominational. So she gave me a book about near death, a woman who had a near death experience. And when she met God, her experience of God was absolutely loving. And she was Catholic mm. and she had fear of God and she meets God and God basically said to her, none of my children go to hell. There is no such thing as hell. Hell is what you create on earth in your mind. So that yeah. began to, I, I went, Oh my gosh. Right? Like totally. totally. But it's still, I still had fear that now I was reading something I wasn't supposed to be reading. So not only was I afraid to go to hell, but now mm. I'm afraid uh, that I'm I'm reading something that my grandmother would be angry at me for reading something okay. that was, you know, yeah. voodoo and I shouldn't be reading. So then it, the next, it shows so many of the layers of fear. Bingo. 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 Right? Yes. So can we touch on that for just a second? Totally, because totally. when we are children and we don't have a church or a religion, your parents represent the divine mother and the divine father. Yes. And so even how they treat you, it becomes your religion. If You know, it becomes that. And so it's so interesting that you talk about that book and that fear of your grandmother and her judgment and how she would have felt. Whereas I'm hearing you read this book and I'm just like, everything's opening up for you. And there, here's this beautiful light coming into your life. And you're still going to try and contain it. Well, but what you said is so key because the layers that we have to work through to awaken, that is something that people don't really understand. And bye, Dean. Have a wonderful day at work. Thanks for being with us. Um, what people don't understand is, and I didn't understand it until I had to go through it, the layers to awakening are many. They're layers upon layers. So not only did I have to deal with my fear of God, but then I had to, to deal with my disappointing my grandmother for believing something she said was not true. And, and let me say, there were many, many other layers beyond that. The other book that this friend gave me was a book by, I, I'm sure you, you're familiar with it, Many Masters, Many Lives. Mm -hmm. Fabulous book. So mm -hmm. when, when Dr. Brian Weiss wrote that book, he wanted to share that we have, you know, life is eternal. So not only were there past lives from many masters, many lives, because it's about reincarnation. Then I have this book about near-death experiences, which is life after this life. So I began to realize life is not a line. It's a mm -hmm. circle. It's, it's uh, we're eternal. That's when I began to then get an inkling of wanting to understand my divinity because I knew my human side with a breath and a birth and death couldn't be eternal. It had to be my divine side. And I'll tell you, that is when I began to want to understand about Jesus. And I started reading some books by Elaine Pagel. She's a, a theologian who I, I can't remember where she teaches one of the Ivy League schools, and she wrote uh, many, many books that helped me understand how the Catholic Church was formed. 
And mm. that, Melissa, is where I began to understand politics. Mm. Because I began to see that the, the creation of the Catholic Church 300 years after Jesus died was specifically designed for the purpose of controlling humanity's thought system. That's when I knew I've got to really get, get more aware of the politics. Yeah. And as you said, it's everywhere. We're, yeah. how, how did you come to realize that politics played such a big role in your spirituality? So, so it's very interesting, kind of, kind of along the same lines, but in, I, I took a different path. So for me, like I said, I've always been curious. So I've always looked in different religions to find what was right for me, feeling like a spiritual person, but also really wanting to connect and understand others and recognizing that there's a hierarchy in religions. Yep. You know, there, there's, there's different levels, you know, especially in the Hindu religion, they have deities that they, you pick a deity because that's what feels more comfortable for you, whether it's a Ganesh or in, in, in the Buddha religion, same thing. Like you connect with a certain teacher or master teacher or a guru. So all of those is showing you a hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and they're beautiful. And these are master teachers. Jesus is a master teacher. He, he is the divine. He is the son of God, but I too am a daughter of God. Yes. Yes. And you know, that was a big eye opener for me as I was studying what uh, Elaine Pagels was sharing about the formation of the, the Catholic Church, that there were deliberate books, uh, teachings, information that were left out of the Bible, specifically deliberately left out of the Bible. Because as like you, I'm so curious, when I began to, to realize, oh my gosh, so some of the information that's in the Bible, yes, a lot of it is accurate, but a lot of it is deliberately misleading, deliberately, I'm not going to say misleading, deliberately leading you towards a specific way of, of perceiving God. Because what the church did not want us to know is exactly what Jesus said when he said, I and the Father are one. And so are you. All of us are one with, with God and why and jesus said it over and over and again the kingdom of heaven is within so where the hell are you going to find god if not in the kingdom and where did he tell us the kingdom was even in the bible but within within so, so i that's when my my wheels really began to spin and i was like how can if god is inside of me why have i been looking for god outside of me they know God was on a cloud as far as I knew next to Santa Claus deciding that I was naughty or nice my whole life. Yes. So it's like it just really activated this desire to learn. And that's when I began to discover the other Gospels that were left out of the Bible. The, the Gospels that were found in Nag Hammadi in the 1940s. These were scrolls that were actually information by people who were with Jesus. And this, these, these teachings were left out, but in those teachings, they, they consistently, consistently advocated for the power that is inside of us. And that understanding, what is this power that is inside of me, is what my whole seeking to understand my divinity was all about, because I knew it couldn't be my humanity that had that power. It had to be my divinity. And boy, oh boy, did that open up right. a whole new world. It, it opens up a whole new world. And then you realize how, how blocked you are to receiving your own divinity. And that's where kind of going back to where I started is those blocks were put in place by my own hands more so than anyone else could have done that. Yeah, there, there say is. More, say more about that because accepting that is really difficult for people. Um, that right. it is it's our radical own. responsibility. <laughs> radical. Bingo. Bingo. Like, people are like, what? And I'm like, you are responsible for it all. And it's, it's really interesting in my work. That's a prerequisite. Are you ready yeah. to be radically responsible? Because when you claim that responsibility, the whole world can open up for you. 
Absolutely. But you know, that is precisely why I, I dove way deep as deep as I possibly could into understanding politics in spirituality, because all of the teachings that were touched by Emperor Constantine, who is the one who formed the Catholic Church, was about taking the power away from the people, right. making them totally and completely not responsible. It, now, the church tells them what to believe. The government tells them what they can and cannot do. Their whole life is managed for them based on the, the government having more power than God itself has with, right. with each right. of us. Right. So, I couldn't be responsible for the longest time because I thought the government was supposed to tell me what to do. I thought, you know, my boss told me what to do. My spouse told me what to do. My mom and dad told me what to do, even though I was rebellious and always liked to be in control, which is a whole nother story. <laughs> we, could, we could do another talk on that one. <laughs> but that whole personal responsibility, I did not understand what it was about. I had no, no idea. Yeah, I feel like our entire lives has called us out of our inner world and into our external. So we've been called out. And I think you and I both can agree that our work is to call people back in. Exactly. Exactly. But to call people back in, I have found it, it's there. there's multiple parts to this journey, as you know. And there is the part that we come in and take, do that inner child work. We've got to heal the you inner child work. I don't, I cannot, I, I have yet to meet and not been teaching for 14 years. I have yet to meet a single person who really gets to know God fully until their inner child wounds are fully healed because the inner child wound is where we create an entire complete story about who we are not. And it is the block to our divinity. Yeah. It, it just makes us human robots. And yeah. yes, it takes a long time to work through that. Yeah. And, and not only is it, it, it is a block to our divinity, but if we go in and explore the divinity, right? The divinity is our joy. The divinity yeah. is our abundance. The divinity is our prosperity. The divinity is our relationships and what we're here to birth as human beings. And that goes beyond children. Yeah. Yeah. Like how are we going to serve humanity if we don't understand our divinity? Yep. And you exactly. have to take responsibility for all of it. Exactly. And to see that wounded aspect and to do that healing is a portal to reclaiming that divinity. But here's where, for me, the politics has to be looked at. And, and it's really challenging for people to really open their minds up to the possibility that, that politics is, is part of the spiritual path. And it's because we have to understand that our education system is political. Our medical system is political. Obviously, our political system, you know, the government, governance of the, the people is political. The financial system is political. And the reason it's political is because there is something outside of us that has power over us. And the entire journey of, of moving to radical responsibility is to find the power that is inside of us. Right. And we have to learn to say, well, just because the medical world tells me that there's some vaccine or some medicine or, or some procedure mm -hmm. that I'm supposed to do, if I don't run that through my inner guidance, my inner knowing, I'm really not taking radical responsibility for my life from my fear of death, which means I don't know that I'm eternal, so I don't really know my divinity. We have fallen subject to politically controlled uh, medical world yeah. that has completely pulled us away from the healing that is possible within. So just right. even in the medical world, politics plays such a big role. Yeah. What, what is your experience with that? Gosh, that's so interesting. And, I, and I'll, I'll take it to a recent experience over the past week. Um, I lost a crown. A dental, right? I lost a dental crown over the weekend and I'm like, oh, I got to go to the dentist. So I go to the dentist and she's she's talking. She's just telling me what needs to happen. And my inner knowing is like, that doesn't sound right to me. That doesn't sound right to me like that. You know, like she's saying, this is what I know. 
and and she, and I'm giving my power to her, right? Like it, you're you're the expert, you know, and you tell me. But my inner knowing was like, there's a different way to handle this. There's a different way to handle this. And so being on a, a more holistic path, you know, like I don't do fluoride. I don't, you know, and, and just little things like that where you're like, there's an inner knowing. There's something that I know greater. And so we have to take our power and apply it to our highest good. Yeah. And I think that's when, you know, like it, it becomes a bit of a political situation where I'm not going to give you my power. I want to have a conversation with you. I want to make a decision and I want it to be a, a relationship. Yeah. And but it was so interesting because she, my dentist, beautiful woman, but she was just stood back and kept telling me what I needed to do and what I needed to do. And I said, I want, I want you to hear me. And, and I really had to go to great lengths to get her to hear me. But when she did, she's like, oh, I see what you're saying. That's what's best for you. Yeah. And that was huge to be seen and to be heard and to be respected. Yeah. And I think in our politics today, especially as a country, you know, people are pulling away from different groups and saying they're patriots. Mm -hmm. And yeah. they're talking about the constitution and they're, you know, they're, they're going back and they're like, wait a second, I gave my power away and we've yeah. given our power away for way too long. Yeah. We are yeah. sovereign, liberated souls that need to create something that's better for ourselves. Absolutely. But that example though, of just the crown, right? as tiny as that is, it's huge in that it, it leads us to, if we just take that little slice and we open it up, this doctor, she is doing, this dentist is doing what she believes is the best thing for you because she paid good money to go to a school, took on a lot of debt to go to a school that taught her the right way. Right. And then if you peel back behind that, well, who told her that that was the right way? You begin to see the, the, the real corrupt world of politics you see that pharmaceutical companies that have an invested interest in selling certain products, certain equipment, they give so much money to these schools to teach certain things that are basically creating a narrative that tells these doctors who are so willing to help. I mean, people enter into the medical field because they want to be in service. Right. It's a calling. So their mind is filled by teachers that they trust that is filled by a, uh, a system that is, you know, it's expensive to run a college. So they get money, they get whatever they get from, yeah. from the pharmaceutical companies. Right. These pharmaceutical companies get their power from going to the FDA, from, from uh, political action committees. Obviously, I'm getting on a soapbox here. But to me, the, the going back behind, where is this all coming from, is right. just as necessary for every single aspect of our lives as it is for our own personal divinity. To come to know God, we have to take, um, I think, a very deliberate uh, look at where are these people that we trust getting their information and who gave it to right. them and who said that right. that's true. So it's where have they been indoctrinated? Exactly. You know, and that was that was the biggest thing. And, you know, even the conversation around the fluoride, the dental hygienist is like, she really has your best interest in heart. But I've also, like you, studied fluoride and I I I lean more on your side. You know, so it was so interesting that I went a step further to help her see, you know, I'm like, I've switched to an Ayurvedic toothpaste over the four, past four or five years. My mouth health has increasingly got better. The beautiful thing is that she was open. And I think that's the biggest thing that we're looking for in our politics is people and leaders that are open. Yes. And she went to research the toothpaste, you know? And so when I came back and the next visit, she's asking more, more questions about some of the other things that I'm doing. So that was the beautiful thing of seeing a heart centered doctor yeah. Going, wait a second. Yeah. But if I had not been a passionate individual about my practices for myself, and if we're not passionate in taking radical responsibility, right? Right back to responsibility. Right back to it. Right back to it. 
for what's happening in our world. Yeah. You know, I mean, that that is one of the most I, I, I not to go down the election path, but to look at how many people showed up yeah. record numbers of voters, record number, record numbers of people taking an interest, looking at where they've been indoctrinated in the information, yeah. seeking new facts, you know, looking to find where we can be sovereign as individuals and where we can have people who support our best our best decisions going forward. And and what you're saying is is so key and I recently came out um it's like I feel like I like a gay per like my gay sister when she came out of the closet I had my flag. I know. I came out of my closet and then it was quite fascinating to watch um the the reception that I received. But one of the things when I came out of the closet and because I was a big Bernie supporter all the way for Bernie and then I switched to Trump and what I be the reason I switched to supporting Trump is because I I went down that path of understanding many years ago the way the political system work works and when I began to see that you know four years ago Bernie was cheated of his election there was complete corruption in in Hillary Clinton getting the nomination over Bernie when clearly Bernie had the following, not Hillary. It was obvious. And then I saw the same thing happen to him this go around and I decided I am not going to support a party that cheats to get the nomination. I just couldn't do that. So back to radical responsibility, why would I support someone that wasn't responsible? that they did not use transparency, that they there was no integrity. So I started to research Trump. And what I began to realize is that there was so much that I was unaware that was going on in the political world. And when I began to pay attention to, I started joining groups that were following him. Some I liked, some didn't resonate with me, but the ones that resonated with me I swear you must have been the one who wrote their slogan because it was all about radical responsibility. It was about do your research, find out why this makes sense. And the more that I began to dig deeper into the what what it is that he was standing for, I came back to what you said earlier. It's about the Constitution. And I'm a student of A Course in Miracles as well as a teacher of it. And the course has helped me understand that there are three very important things that we need to get if we're really going to be awake, to own our divinity, to own, to understand the purpose that we have as a divine being having a human experience. And one is that we have eternal life. We are eternal. Back to me learning about the circle, that that was so key early on in my journey that life is a circle. The second one is that we were created for freedom. We were created as free beings who chose to come to this planet, specifically at this time, to take on a humanity, to take on an ego, to take on a limitation of awareness of our divinity. But we, we are free to do that. We totally, completely had liberty to choose that. And the Course in Miracles tells us that our purpose is to be happy. So I'm listening to all these things about Trump and the Constitution. And then it, it began for me, it's not even about Trump. For me, it's what you were talking about being a patriot. Do you know what I realized? The constitution is channeled information that was guided to those 100%. founding fathers. And yeah. what did the founding fathers say? That our creator endowed every one of us, all men are created equal, endowed with the same inalienable rights of life, liberty, and happiness. And I'm going, oh my God, that's what the Course in Miracles says. I have life, eternal life. I have liberty. I chose to be here. Yeah. And I'm supposed to be free to be myself, express myself. And happiness, pursue happiness. So why is America so miserable? Why are we fearing death? Why are we, so we don't understand life. We don't yeah. understand it's eternal. Why is nobody really free to do what they want to do? Why do we have all these rules and regulations and have to jump through all these hoops. If you want to do a business, um, you got to get so many people who don't even know what you do to give you permission for you to do what you already know you're supposed to you do. Right. Why do you need a college degree to do some things that are innately known? So where the hell is our liberty? So 
And if you're not free to pursue your life, how you, how God gave it to you to pursue. And if you operate with fear and you don't know that you're eternal, how the hell can you be happy? It's not possible. So my, my reason for supporting the Trump group is really because I'm supporting the return to the constitution that says the same freaking thing that my spiritual awakening has led me to discover is our birthright. But we have to take radical responsibility, as you said, to claim that. And that mm-hmm. to me is, is where I see spirituality and politics that they're enmeshed. Totally. And, and here's the thing, he's like, where, where have we gotten lost? <laughs> so for me, we've gotten lost because we're disconnected from our divinity. Yes. We just don't know what to believe. We don't, we're not feeling a personal connection to God. Yeah. So say about how do you teach your, your clients to connect with God to, and to begin that path? Yeah. So, so for me, it's huge. And it generally starts with helping people and being a meditation facilitator because you can't find the answers if you can't get still. Yeah. And it's really important for me to be that inspiring partner for an individual to help them get still because there was a time in my life where I would avoid stillness like the plague because it was way too painful. Yeah. And I I was anxious or I was stressed or I was depressed or I had that type A personality that was pushing my ego out onto the world. You know, my goal was to push you push out before you ever got near me. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So so that expansion of energy. So really, again, it comes back to calling someone in. Let's go in. Let's go look. Let's, Let's go find that child with those wounds who can't believe that God is. So, so there's so many levels, but meditation is always first and foremost is where we start so that we can open up and be still. I love guided meditation Mm -hmm. because I just think the idea, you know, when you tell someone, oh, I sat in silence for 45 minutes. Why? Why would you do that? Like that? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Right. Like that's so hard. I can't, you know, people set a timer and they can't do it for five minutes. Yeah. We're so overstimulated. Yeah. Well, I was, so, afraid, I was afraid of hearing my fears when I would get quiet. That was the first thing that popped up my fears. I, I, right. I didn't want to sit in stillness because in stillness, I heard everything about me that I did not like everything about me that was wrong. I don't want to do it. Right. The no criticism way. is so intense. But here's the thing. It's not the truth of who you are. Bingo. It's your programming. Yeah. So so I start with meditation. And then from there, there's this moment where people realize, oh, my gosh, there's something else. There's something else. And when they're open, that's really opening up the heart, opening up the crown so that the divine energy can flow through, bringing in your incarnated life with your higher soul. And you'll get a glimpse. And when you get a glimpse, you get hungry. Exactly. (laughs) When you get hungry, you're open to taking more responsibility. And then you're like, okay, so if I untangle this a little bit, I'll feel more of that. Yes. Yeah. So we start moving the energy. Yeah. And And it is such a gradual process of first getting getting to the point that you're you're courageous enough to learn how to quiet your mind because to quiet the mind is is nothing more than to begin to like you said to question the thoughts that you have because i i began with um i couldn't do meditation i could not do it so i began a practice of contemplation i did contemplation for many years before i could get to meditation and in the contemplation i would just take um I was listening to the thoughts in my head and then I would contemplate, well, where did that come from? And I began to trace, well, that was, that was the guidance that I was receiving. Shortly after I began to discover that I was eternal and I began down that path of reading the books about the formation of the Catholic church, I began to receive guidance from Jesus. And, you know, I used to be scared to tell anybody that because I'm going to think, who does she thinks she is Jesus talking to her. Jesus talked to all of us. 
So all of us have that crisis yeah. consciousness inside of us. And what happened is mine got activated because I was so curious and I was guided when, when, you know, uh, the consciousness of Jesus recognized that I was so afraid of going into meditation, it began to, to, I got the inspiration, just take what you are hearing and question it. Where did this come from? Who taught me this? And I spent several years journaling right after my contemplation, all of these thoughts that came to me. And what I realized is I was operating with a whole bunch of hand-me-down beliefs. They were not mine. Yeah, they were oh, yes, right? But it's not, it's the belief systems. Like you're indoctrinated into a whole bunch of BS. Yes. And you're like, but, that's not mine. Exactly. And when I was able to realize that I didn't have to believe a single thing that was in my head, I then began to create the space, the gap where I, I realized I, there's an observer, this I am was observing my thoughts. That's when I was able to begin to enter into meditation. Yeah. Because I realized the I am had no beliefs, had no thoughts. It was quiet. So I wanted to create, cultivate a relationship with that quiet part of me. Yeah. That was the most amazing thing. Of course, that led me in a whole different path. It changed the trajectory of my life forever. But I had to shift from meditation to contemplation first before I could go back to meditation. So how do you help people be willing to go into meditation what are some give me let's give our audience some tips that you share yeah. that facilitate that process because i don't think i don't think anybody can reach the essence of who they are without that stillness it's necessary it's so necessary and and so that's i you know and i'm so grateful i have i have beautiful teachings from master chowakatsui he's the modern day founder of pranic healing and so oh. that's really where the basis of our meditation comes from. And the meditation is loving kindness. And so when you can tell someone that we're going, and, and this is what we do through the Twin Hearts meditation, is that you blessing the world, because everyone has a heart to bless the world. Everyone has a loving thought of someone they wanna send blessings, or you know, if blessings, sometimes the words blessings trigger somebody, good thoughts, well wishes, something you want to do in this meditation. That's what we're doing. And through our ability to focus the mind on sending goodness out to others, it comes back to the teachings of Jesus. As you give, you receive. Exactly. And, so, and love, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. It does come yeah. back to that. It does. Yes. And, and so we use the prayer of St. Francis, but even before we get there, you touched on it. Journaling. Journaling is huge. Having a even a coaching conversation where they actually verbalize their pains, it takes it outside of them and it makes it a tangible thing in the ethers that energetically we can start to work with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, I, it's speaking it, it's writing it, it's moving the energy. You know, there are people who exercise and are able to flush out negative energy from their body. But a lot of people can't do that, or they've never done that, or they're not making the connection. So really there's an education in our work. Yeah, yeah. Because we need it, we need the mind candy. We need to understand, you know, oh, Melissa's not just doing, you know, waving her hands around me or bringing out her crystals or telling me to sit in stillness. There's actually neurological things that are going on and there is science. There is. Yeah. There is science, and that's something that is so uh, crucial that we understand that this spiritual journey, because what you were talking about and what I was doing in that journaling, I was becoming aware. Um, yes, giving voice is very important. Thank you, Barbara, for saying that. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that I, it became so clear for me is that as I was listening to the voices in my head, I began to realize that those were my human voices. Your parts. Yeah, my soul, my divine self was the still quiet one who was loving me through the noise in my head. Yeah. That's when I began to see 
uh, and to feel the distinction of my two aspects. And I began the journey of, of becoming more aware. That's why I call my, my work awareness. I'm an awareness coach. I have the center for awareness. I teach the power of awareness. It's all, you know, awareness, awareness, awareness. But once I became aware of those two aspects of myself, that's when when the the radical choice, you know, responsibility came in. I had to choose which voice was I going to listen to. Yeah. Which voice was going to be my truth? And that part of the journey um, led me into more of the the discovery of the influence of politics in what we believe because. I had to question, well, where did I have, where did this fear of um, there's not enough money come from? Where did this fear of, of uh, you know, people are not going to like me or I'm not going to get promoted? Where, where does all this come from? And then the politics, the hierarchies that you were talking about earlier, I began to realize that all of my fears were created because I did not know my eternal self right i was waiting on the world outside of me to validate me i was waiting on the world outside of me to tell me that i was okay that i was worthy that i you know mm. had value all of those things so if it wasn't for going through the contemplation phase to see that i have two parts and then going into meditation and cultivate a relationship with my true self I wouldn't be at the place of peace that I am today, observing the insanity that's going on in the world, knowing I know what they don't know. And that the people who are afraid, I know God's got this. I know none of us is left alone. None of us is going to, you know, it's not the end of, of who we are as eternal beings. So how did you get from being able to go through all of these studies that you have done, the healing that you have done to being at peace with what is today, because clearly you walk your talk, you practice what you teach, um, which is why I love having this conversation with you. How are you finding your your center, your alignment? Yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing. Like I used to swing on a pendulum or uh, you know, ride <laughs> the roller coaster all the time. And, and I, I am living in my center. It doesn't mean, you know, I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. It doesn't mean that my I don't swing a little bit, but it's nothing like it used to be. And when I start to swing, that is my, that's my window for something to be healed. That is where the awareness comes in. And that's when I get really still and go, okay, I'm starting to swing. I'm off my center. Where is it? And that's the curious, right? Yeah. And that's when I get brave. Really, it takes bravery to go. Oh my gosh, yes. Wow, I'm really afraid right now. There is a fear coming up for me. And so I go into that stillness and I look for first and foremost a child. Hey, where are you? Come forward. And in the stillness, and this is something that anyone can do, get really, really still in the awareness that something is off. Yeah, something is off and just get really still and search in your stillness, search your body for a pain, search your body for gray matter and it'll show up for you and then ask it to come forward with the message. Yes. And, and it has, it has a message. It has Always. a message, a pain, a discomfort, a feeling, an emotion a thought, they all have a deeper message. So we're searching for the root to bring it up, to bring it out of us, to be seen because spirituality is shining light in the darkness. And the reason there's that pain and suffering is because there's a bit of darkness. So let me take my stillness and my focus and shine that light. And through that light and through that willingness to surrender that, to God, to the divine, you know, that's the offering that God is always asking us for. Give me your darkness, give me your pains, show me, trust me to infuse that with light and divinity so that you can move forward with where you're supposed to go and you can get back to the joy and happiness. 
Exactly. That is your purpose. And that, you know, the Course in Miracles calls us the blocks. Those are the blocks to the to the awareness that what we are is light. So we have to, we have to be willing, but it takes an incredible amount of courage to to look into that pain because most of us have spent a lifetime numbing ourselves from that discomfort, avoiding it at all costs, seeking for something outside to entertain us and distract us. So it requires an incredible, incredible amount of courage. And one of the things that I found, and again, the course made it so easy for me to understand, but one of the things that we don't really have because we are not, we, we weren't raised consciously is we don't understand radical honesty. And radical honesty is to call what is, what is dark, call it dark. Mm -hmm. What is pain, call it pain. What is sad, call it sad. But we are so ashamed to say that we have pain or sadness or because we have been conditioned to believe that that makes us weak. And so we've got back to the layers that we talked about earlier. Um, thank you, Barbara. Mm -hmm. She's enjoying the conversation as, as is Elliot. So we really, pre that's why I do these conversations because I know there is somebody that needs to hear whatever it is that we're sharing. So again, Melissa, thanks for being here. But the radical honesty that is necessary to question every layer of thinking, including that thinking that says, you don't want to admit that you, you're afraid that, you know, that's going to, don't tell, let anybody know you're afraid. You're, they're going to think you're weak. You're going to lose your position. They're not going to look up to you. But we have to question every single block to the awareness of our light. So I'm so glad that you said that. Um, so, and you were talking about the pendulum swinging. My God, I swear, I was like a monkey on a tree swinging, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Um, Same. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. wow. You know, seeking pleasure, avoiding pain, needing to be right, avoiding being wrong, judging and blaming and shaming and guilting. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, no wonder I was exhausted. Um, we're we're exhausted about what's going on internally. Yeah. And then we're not being our true selves because what's going on internally, we bring external. Yes. And then with the projections, the projection on other people. That's a whole, that's a whole episode, Melissa. That, okay. We'll save that for another day because, <laughs> you know, I, I look and it's interesting because I've, I've moved back to the, the town that I was born in and I have childhood friends and teenage friends. Like they don't even know me now. They know me from then. And, and when oh, you get wow. centered, you're yeah. a completely different person. You're your true self. You're, yeah. you're the self that you love. And I think that's the another part of this work is getting to the place of self-love because we can't give what we don't have. Yeah. And, and you know what's so amazing? When you get to the place of self-love, you, you then cannot help but be your loving self. Right. And that's a very different self than when we were younger and, and monkey, you know, selfish. When we were monkeys, climbing, you know, swinging from the trees and, and, and wreaking havoc on our yeah. own lives. Yeah. You know, and, and when we're stuck in depression and we're suffering from anxiety, there is an eternal unrest within us that is, that is churning and bringing, bringing what we're feeling on the inside outside into our lives and we can really go in and find those roots and get to that self-love you know do enough healing and en enough forgiveness yeah and enough work on yourself to just really fall in love with your true self which is a gift from god it, it is, is the goddess within it is the god within coming out yeah and it, it's the love and the light and it, so let's let's before I go to the next thing I want to talk to you about, how can people find you besides on Facebook here? But when this is a podcast, you know, they, they, it's not going to be on Facebook. So how can people connect with you? I tell you, how can I, my email address. Okay. What is it? And I'll put it on here. Okay. So we can just go with Melissa at practically divine because that's what I'm about. Practical divinity. So it's practically divine.com. Okay. So if you will, let's see, 
I spelled it kind of quickly, so I hope that I spelled that right. So that I can. Yeah, we. Oh wait, wait, I misspelled. Yep. Uh, so it's two S's, and I think. Oh yeah, here we go. Okay. Practicallydivine.com. All right, so we'll let that run. Yeah. So, so two, two S's and Melissa, but also here on Facebook, you're welcome to direct message me. And I love okay. doing, so we'll, doing introductory yeah. calls and mini sessions so that people that. can feel what my work is about. So afterwards, if you can just add a link um, with your email address or just type it in later, then it'll stay on, on this forever here uh, on Facebook. But let's switch really quickly and, and wrap up our conversation getting back to politics because the spirituality in politics, what, what you said is so powerful. When we come to realize, go through the journey of self-love, we come and connect with our higher self, with our divine self, with our loving self, our true self, true. our honest self. This is the self that needs to go out into the world and change the world. This, this is what Gandhi did. This is what Martin Luther King Jr. Jesus did. We, we are in good company. Yeah. When we begin to go out into the world and shift what's going on, because all of this work that people are having to do to, to heal that internal divide, to come to know themselves, all of, all of that pain and suffering is perpetuated by a world that is completely unconscious, that teaches us in schools to give up our power, that teaches us through religion to give up our power, that teaches us through the government to give up our power. We, we have got to take a stand, I find. Mm -hmm. Now, let, let, me, let me say this. When we get still and we ask source, I am a firm, firm believer that we go to source and ask, what will you have me do? Not everybody's gonna go into politics. Not everybody's gonna take a stand. Not everybody's gonna send money to, to a politician. Not, not everybody is going to want to go do something to change a law. But everybody that goes to source and asks, what would you have me do to be in service to humanity is going to get an answer. And some will just be to pray. Some mm -hmm. will be just to be kind. Some of us are going to get a message to simply be a loving presence in our own homes, be just a sweet mom, be a, a conscious dad. But many of us are feeling, because I am I am really feeling this in a way that I had no idea I was going to get sucked into this whole political arena. But for me, in the world of politics, we have given a lot of power to very few people over the many. God did not intend one or two humans by president, vice president, or, or a, a couple hundred people in Congress or or you know whatever the senate to be the ones who tell humanity what they can and cannot do god created us back to the constitution it granted all of us because we were created equal the ability to pursue life liberty and happiness our government has a lot of power over the people and these are these are folks who are unconscious to the divinity that is inside of us, if they were conscious of our divinity, they would not attempt to control anybody. All of the education, all of the medical uh, of this world of, of, that comes from government, all of the laws and regulations would be to uphold and uplift and acknowledge the divinity inside each and every one of us. So how do you take our conversation and tie it back to the importance that you see of us being consciously aware and spiritual and how to merge that with the fact that there is um there is politics going on it's part of being in the world but not of it right and so so it's taking an active part with your divine love your divine light your divine intelligence using that and recognizing that your mind is an instrument for your human experience so feed your mind with all the information check in with your heart, go to the truth of what it is, and then come back into the outer world and participate. Be a part of the change, be a part of service. Take your divine light, divine love, divine intelligence. Take back your power 
first and foremost, take back your power, bring that energy back into yourself, review it, clarify it, then come out with certainty and follow your heart. Yeah. Your heart has the answers. Oh my goodness. Oh, that was so beautiful and perfect and no more needs to be said. And one of the, the most important things that I have found in being able to follow my heart was to get out of the sides. To, yeah. to not to not be pigeonholed in this side versus that side or, or this group versus that group, but walk the middle way like Jesus said. I mean, Jesus said, taught us about the middle way. Lao Tzu taught us about the middle right. way. And it is really important. Follow the path of love. Thank you so much for being here today. What a great conversation, but we, love it. we are gonna need to do another date on projection because nobody gets out of this mess. Um, nobody gets out of, of this, this egoic um, unconsciousness without understanding projection. I would love it. That'd be okay. great. We will do another day. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you for all the comments, Dean and Barbara and Elliot. Um, so loved having you here. So look for future episodes of Align with Lina coming to you soon. Have a magnificent day. Have wonderful holidays coming up. And um, thank you for all the birthday love that I received from so many of you, specifically through my Facebook page. All right, everybody. Goodbye. Mm -hmm.